Hey, welcome to the Trapital Podcast. I'm your host and the founder of Trapital, Dan Runcy. Trapital is your home for interviews with hip hop's heavy hitters, music executives, moguls, and more who are sharing their best insights that can help you level up your game. And today's episode is going to be a rewind. We're going back to an episode I did in 2020 with Stephen Galanis, who is the founder and CEO of Cameo. Cameo is a marketplace to monetize fame. This is a place where you can buy personalized celebrity video shoutouts. And one of the goals and strategies for Cameo is to find celebrities or people who are more famous than they are rich. That's the sweet spot. And that's how they've been able to find that by really tapping into the long tail of celebrities. For instance, we talk about Brian Bumgarner, who is Kevin from The Office, and how he was able to gross over a hundred million—not a hundred million. Wow, that would have been crazy. How he was able to gross over a million dollars a year through Cameo. And this conversation was really fascinating, talking about a why the pandemic was so influential for them and why it was a silver lining there. How Cameo found product market fit and how they've been able to tap into the long tail. One of the places that Cameo's had great success has been with hip hop artists and creators in black culture. So we talk about that and future products that may be coming down the pipeline. So given all of the talk right now about the creator economy and everything that's happening, it's a great opportunity to revisit a conversation like this, still very relevant to where things are heading today and can likely inform where opportunities may still lie given that this conversation was a year ago. So I hope you enjoy it. Here's my chat with Stephen Galanis. Today's episode of the Trapital Podcast is brought to you by Mighty Networks. Mighty Networks has just commissioned the largest study ever done on the creator economy. In the rise of the independent creator, you'll learn why many of today's creators feel burnt out relying on social media and algorithms, but how they're starting to reclaim ownership of their communities by going niche, focusing on their community, and building a network effect with the people that make it possible. So go to newcreatormanifesto.com to check it out. That's newcreatormanifesto.com. Trapital Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Runcy. Our guest today is the co-founder and CEO of one of the hottest startups right now, Stephen Galanis, CEO of Cameo. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. For the few people that don't know, what is Cameo? Cameo is a marketplace where you can book personalized video messages from over 35,000 of your favorite athletes, actors, or celebrities. It started with the idea that the selfie was the new autograph. So when you see someone famous today, you want to take a picture with them and put it on Instagram. You don't want to just have something hanging on the wall in your bedroom or your office Specifically, four years ago when we started the business, we were trying to figure out how do you take a selfie with someone in a remote way, like if you don't actually meet them. And we found that video is the perfect medium to do it. You know, today we've expanded much further from just autographs from athletes. And now, you know, we have people in every single genre you could imagine. And how did the idea come? I mean, I can see the transition from seeing how, yes, you want to expand past the autographs and past the videos, but how do you think like, yes, this is the path that we want to take a company like this? Where did that come from? My co-founder, Martin, flew in for the day to Chicago for my grandmother's funeral of all things. And as I was driving him back from the funeral to O'Hare Airport so he could go back to LA, 
he was telling me about a problem he was having as an NFL agent. And one thing that happens in the NFL is that 80% of NFL players go broke five years after playing their last game. And he had this player, Cassius Marsh, who at the time was on the Seattle Seahawks, who was very popular in college, but he was like a backup player in the NFL. And he was thinking about ways to find him off the field income. He pulled out his phone And he showed me this video to just describe the guy and show how big of a personality he was. And in the video, Cassius Marsh was congratulating one of Martin's friends who is an executive at Nike on becoming a father. And this guy loved the Seattle Seahawks more than anything. And he made a video and it said, hey, Brandon, this Cassius Marsh from the Seahawks heard about your son, Brandon. If he gets your athletic ability, he'll be playing for the Seahawks one day. Go Hawks. And he gave this to Brandon and Brandon loved it, put it on social, said it was like the best gift he ever got. And Martin's telling me about this and immediately like the light bulb came off and I was like, aha, we need to make those. I can clearly see how the idea for this as a marketplace is expanded. I mean, in 2020 alone, just looking from some stats, I'm sure you've expanded already since then. But at one point this year, you had 5,000 videos sold per day, around $60 per video. I mean, that's over a hundred million annual revenue that you're all generating from that. And of course you all take a 25% cut of that. That's pretty legit. And like I said, that's from a few months ago. So I'm sure you probably expanded since then. You know, it's been growing fast for the last three years. Last year, we were the fastest growing consumer marketplace on the Andreessen 100. So Cameo was growing very quickly coming into this year. But in a year where everyone on our supply side, all of the athletes, actors, musicians, celebrities, all found themselves out of work at once, right? All live entertainment halted with the pandemic. Suddenly, people that weren't on Cameo because they previously were either making too much money or had no time, weren't making any money and had all the time in the world. And they were really missing their fans and they came to us. And it's been pretty cool to see how many of our talent have been able to come on Cameo and earn a living for themselves and their families this year. What fascinated me was how you all plan to identify talent even before 2020 as things expanded quite a bit. I had read that you essentially put celebrities and all the potential talent on this two by two style, like BCG matrix, looking at fame and willingness to do a cameo. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. If you had come and worked for me, if it was your first day and you're like a 23 year old kid coming to be an inside sales rep at Cameo, I would have done exactly what you said. I would have drawn the two-by-two out and had the X-axis be willingness and the Y-axis be fame. And the idea is, of course, we want people in the top right quadrant. You want really famous people who are very willing to do it. And for us, it's been people like Snoop Dogg. You don't want people in the bottom left quadrant. You don't want people that aren't that famous are a pain in the ass and they're not going to do the video. But the very contrarian thing that we did that I think differentiates ourselves from a lot of other businesses that have come out in the celebrity spaces. We focused on people in the bottom right quadrant over the top left. We focused on people who were less famous, but more willing over more famous and less willing. And our thesis was if we can start building liquidity there, eventually some of those people will actually rise in fame and then eventually migrate to the top right quadrant. And on top of that, If the business starts really picking up, then what we're going to see is that the y-axis will actually shift to the left. 
And a lot of people that were very famous, not willing, will eventually start getting into the very famous and very willing category. And we just had high conviction, like, let's build liquidity. And if people like what's going on, then eventually we'll get bigger names on. So how did you determine who fell in that bottom right versus the top right quadrant? Was it instinct in terms of just a feel for how popular people were, or were you using metrics to measure fame and popularity? Earlier, it would just be who said yes to us, right? So if they said yes to us, by definition, they were on the right side of the willingness curve. And then the other thing we used from the very beginning is in Cameo land, price is really like a measure of willingness, right? Price is just a necessary friction, which enables fulfillment. So in the early days when Jason Kipnis, who was the first MLB all-star, joined Cameo, he joined at 100 bucks when we were selling $5 Cameo. So even though he was on, he was less willing. So he would have been a top left person. And then later on, when you have people like Snoop Dogg coming on for 420 bucks, when we have people like Caitlyn Jenner that are 2,500, he's suddenly like by having the lower price at like something that's on brand, he was very famous and very willing. So it sounds like those were two of the anchors for you, Snoop and Caitlyn Jenner. Were those inbound or were those strategic? What was that process like to secure them? Snoop Dogg was referred by Ice-T. So Ice-T was making cameos. And one day in our Chicago office, we had this huge screen. And I think Snoop was in New York doing some collab with Ice-T. And on the screen, we started seeing Snoop like popping into these cameos of Ice-T. And then Paige, who works with Ice-T, texted Ice-T and goes, hey, you know, there's a referral. If you refer Snoop, you get 5% of his bookings for a year out of Cameo's cut. About 10 minutes later, Paige got a FaceTime from Snoop. And he's like, talk to you. Like, let me talk to your CEO. Later that afternoon, I talked to Snoop. And the first thing he said is, Cameo is brilliant. You got to let me in. You got to let me invest. And we're going to billionize this shit together. <laughs> I love that quote because that is something he would say. So that's great. And I think as time moved on, you clearly have gotten many big names. You've continued to get them in 2020. And I guess the way it looks now is more of a now just inbound, just given how popular the platform is. And there's obviously a bit of a flywheel effect that happens. Or are you still being a bit more focused on, okay, we really got to try to get this person. We really got to try to get that person. We have about a 40 to 50 person team at Cameo whose whole job is either the hunter side of it. So they're actually recruiting talent to come on the platform or the farmer side. They're working with existing talent and essentially making sure they're successful on the platform and pushing them for referrals. So today, about 50% of our talent is coming from us actually reaching out to people. About 30% of talent is just downloading the app and coming inbound. And then about 20% of the talent is actually joining from referrals. The interesting thing is the 20% joining from referrals is responsible for about 55% of the GMV in the marketplace. So what's happening is Ice-T is referring Snoop Dogg because it's a 5% split people are incentivized to get their, the people that they know that are more popular and their hope is, Hey, you're going to be on cameo eventually come on this thing. Like I can make money off it. So we've essentially turned our talent base into our outside sales team. Smart. Cause they're going to have the connections. And if they're on that platform to make money, they're going to want to make money with whoever they're doing it with. And think about it. Like ice T is a much more trustworthy source than 
Paige from Chicago, right? And that was a big thing. But if Ice-T is like, hey, Paige is dope. You should talk to Paige. You should work with Paige. Now, you know, Snoop and her can become besties. So in many ways, two-sided marketplace, you have your talent, but you also have your customers. What does customer acquisition look like for the customers? Has that been more, you have the talent and they will follow, or have there been intentional things you've been doing there to help build that up? I think one thing that's really special about Cameo as a marketplace is we, our supply and our marketplace can actually solicit their own demand, which is very unique. You don't see that in DoorDash. You don't see that in Uber. You don't see that in Airbnb. Like a house cannot like find its own residence. You know, a restaurant cannot at scale like solicit its own demand for like delivery. An Uber driver can't like find rides for themselves. So the thing that's really cool is because our supply is famous, they have hundreds of thousands or millions of followers on Instagram, on TikTok, and on Twitter, they can turn their followers and our customers for free by promoting. And we give every talent a link, cameo.com slash Snoop. Snoop can put it on his Instagram story. 51 million people see it. And some set of those people are going to convert and buy. And that's been a really big growth hack for us. And for the talent, they're incentivized to do it because they make 75%. We make 25%. So by promoting, they're making 3x as much as we do from any sale. And that's very different economics to a brand that's maybe doing an influencer marketing campaign that's giving them 10 or 20 or 50 grand up front, but they're not getting anything on the back end. On Cameo, they're making the majority of the back end. So they're incentivized to promote more. On the flip side, almost all cameos are gifts. 85% are bought for other people. So I buy for you, you share to social, and then your friends and family learn about it because they see the watermark. And then that starts the flywheel over again. So with that, since 85% are gifts, do you find that you're having more new customers or are you having some repeat customers that like, oh, I bought this as a gift. Let me buy this again. I did it for Mother's Day. Let me do it again for Father's Day. Yeah. I mean, look, right now we're having mostly new customers, but the product has an 85 net promoter score. So it's literally up there with like an iPhone and a Tesla is is one of the most beloved consumer products on earth right now. So people are very happy. What we see a lot of is you receive a cameo and then you're going to like go and buy one. So that's like a really cool flywheel that we see a recipient and then turning into a purchaser flywheel. But part of the reason most of our customers are new are just like the way math works. So for example, this year, we've already sold a million cameos and we've done 1.4 million all time, right? So like the vast majority of our bookings this year were net new. So that means the majority of the customers were net new. And we had a big milestone this week. We just sold a cameo to our millionth unique person, which was pretty cool. Congrats. Has the mix of the customers shifted at all from the million that have came this year versus the 400,000 in 2019 and before that? Yeah, our demographic has gotten older, which is interesting. So our top demographic actually is 35 to 44-year-old women, which is really interesting. When we first started, the first place we found product market fit was really with like former Vine stars. So it was people like Cody Ko and Evan Breen and Nick Coletti who have a much younger demographic. And as we've gotten bigger and now you have like the Real Housewives or Carol Baskin or the Bachelor stars... It was a very shifting demographic we found. 
the Real Housewife one is interesting. My wife's a big fan of the show, and I remember it was right around her birthday or sometime around then. I went looking for one of the people that are her favorites. I didn't find a particular person, but I'm like, okay, I'm sure by the next time the holiday comes around, that person will probably be on the platform. I don't know who her favorite is because we have all of them. So I don't think you looked hard enough. (laughs) Fair point. But with that, you've definitely expanded quite a bit in terms of the range of talent that you have. And last time I was on the platform, it actually reminded me a bit of like how Netflix will have each of their different categories. And I'm scrolling through, boom, and you have all these different groups. And I'm sure a lot of that is like mindful with the tagging, but it's also, okay, this is a product and we have to present this in a type of way where people aren't just going to come here in an on-demand type way. We need to gear things and people might see things that they might even not initially had thought they were going to. I think that was a good move. Yeah, look, search and discovery is always hard in any business. There's a reason I think Reed Hastings and Netflix forever had that like crazy bounty. If anyone can make a better search algorithm for them, you'd pay them like 10 million bucks. A cameo, it's actually pretty similar. And one of the things that's particularly challenging about our business is we don't only need to have search and discovery that's relevant for you, but like we want to know who your wife likes. So it's kind of like it needs to be relevant for you, but also like, You need to be able to get ideas about all the different people and all the different use cases. So I'm sure we'll continue to struggle with search and discovery. Because anytime somebody tells me like, oh, I went on Cameo, but I didn't know anyone, that should be by design. Like there's 35,000 people on there. You shouldn't know most of the people. But on the flip side, like if you have an interest, we hope you can find it. So if you love Chicago baseball, every Cubs player and every Sox player like should be available to you. And you mentioned Netflix. It reminds me a lot of Netflix's whole long tail strategy. And that's something Reed Hastings has been pushing for the past 20 years. You all can focus on the blockbusters to do that, but we can make so much money on everything else in the wide range that isn't going to be at the blockbuster video store. And in some ways, there's an aspect of the way that you approach your own talent acquisition that speaks to a lot of that. Sure, everyone is going to want to try to book LeBron James or Travis Scott or Ariana Grande, whoever the biggest celebrities are. But if it isn't those people, there's always a niche audience and something for everyone else out there. Look, we've had two talent that have made a million bucks on Cameo this year now, and they're Brian Baumgartner and Gilbert Godfrey. You might not know who they are. You know, Brian is Kevin from The Office, and Gilbert Godfrey is like the voice of the Aflac duck, right? So at the end of the day, one of the things that I think is interesting is we've really found product market fit for people who are more famous than they are rich. So being recognizable or being like a voice that you like or being a character from a show that you really like is almost more valuable than having like LeBron James or Ariana Grande on who probably would be so expensive that most people wouldn't be able to hire them. And that's why that bottom right, that less famous, more willing over more famous, less willing is so critical. And, you know, we fully subscribe to that long tail business. And in fact, The way that we talk about the long tail is by breaking our talent up into three buckets, nostalgic, now, and next. And I think you really need a mix of all those things. So this year for now, right? Like Carol Baskin was like the most now person ever. When we got all the Tiger King cast on, two years from now, she'll probably be in the nostalgic bucket. And there's someone in the next category that's going to have their viral moment and blow up. And and then they're going to be the now person. So talent are constantly moving between those three buckets. Yeah, I like that breakdown. That makes sense. 
And I've noticed too, you have a pretty strong focus. We're talking about the bucket areas. A lot of that's focused on hip hop too. I think I checked. You have artists ranging from like four or five dollars all the way up to, I believe, Boozy Badass. Is he the rapper that's charged you the most? Uh, I mean, I think we have so many legends when it comes to hip hop. You know, whether it's like Flavor Flavor, the Dougie Fresh, or Snoop Dogg, or Ice T, or Ice Cube, like really, our roster in hip hop goes so deep. And I think that actually is because rappers as a whole, I think, really have always done a great job embracing social media, and they're always trying to like be on that next thing. And they tend to be the early adopters. So I think this is a platform, and the shout out culture is something that I think just really exists in the hip hop world. So I think this was something that. A lot of these guys, they've been doing drops for people. They've been doing drops for hosts for so long. This is a very natural format for them. I could see that being a pretty clear transover for them. And yeah, as I've write about quite often, hip-hop artists are up on these trends before a lot of other people. So there's just so many things that are going to transfer over. When you mentioned Kevin from The Office, it made me think of another popular TV show with another classic character. The Wire is one of my favorite TV shows, and I know that you you all have the guy who plays Weebay from The Wire. And the profile photo you have for Weebay is that classic gif that is everywhere on social media. I think it's from like one of the first seasons of The Wire, but where he like has his hand over his mouth and the like you know whole screen is moving behind him. It's hilarious, and I'm glad that you picked that photo. So we let the talent pick their own picture. So we didn't have anything to do with that, but especially for people that are iconic in that way. And, you know, another one of those shows, we have the guy that plays Russ Hunneman from Silicon Valley, right? He's not like classically famous. 99% of Silicon Valley fans have no idea what his actual name is, but everyone knows Russ Hunneman. So that's another perfect example of this person who's more famous than they are rich. And that's kind of like where we have product market fit. Let's take a quick break to hear a word from this week's sponsor. Let's talk more about the new study from today's sponsor, Mighty Networks. The creator economy says it's all about independence, but most creators are still quite dependent. They depend on algorithms to grow, and they depend on audiences that they don't own. 65% of creators say they feel overworked and underpaid. To address these challenges, Mighty Networks has commissioned the largest creator study ever, the Creator Manifesto. It's a report on the rise of a new independent creator that's emerging. Independent creators can own a direct relationship with their audience, earn more money from cultivating communities, and create a network effect to grow their audience. It doesn't take millions or thousands of followers to succeed. The independent creators succeed by going niche, empowering their audiences to build with them, and focus on serving their community. The independent creator can succeed with a much smaller audience than previously thought. To learn more, download the free report at newcreatormanifesto.com. That's newcreatormanifesto.com. What do things look like from an algorithm perspective? Because I'm sure as you're doing categories and stuff, of course, on demand, you'll be able to find everyone. But what you said made me think about Netflix. And I know that there's been a bunch of questions that have come up from Netflix in terms of who is easier to find on the algorithm, who comes up and who doesn't. Is that something that you all have had to sort through or navigate yet? Every day we're working on the algorithm. Today, the way the Cameo algorithm works... It's a subset of four main functions. One, how many cameos have you done? Two, what is your streak? So like your streak is 
you have seven days to do the video. If you didn't do a video or two, then you get a negative streak. If you don't ever let them expire, then your streak is super positive. The ratings that they come on and how quick your turnaround time is. So we've always tried to rig each category by putting the people at the front of the category who are going to give the customers like the best first experience with us. And that's part of the reason the NPS is high, but it is an interesting trade-off because we have a lot more famous people on Cameo than you might see on the homepage. You just have to dig and look for them a while. Do you all ever give any advice or guidance to talent and celebrities that may not be performing as well as they could? Because I know that a lot of them set their own price and could be like, okay, it isn't necessarily like a true, like, I guess a perfect marketplace where the more desirable person always costs more or less. They decide it themselves, but you just kind of let the talent play it out themselves. It happens all the time. Sometimes we see people who are priced too low and they get booked too much and they can't do all the videos. And then we work with them to raise it. Other times we see people who have priced themselves too high. And we know that if they were priced better in comparison to their peers on the platform, they might do well. One of the really striking examples, Dorinda Medley from The Real Housewives is one of the most popular women that we have on the site. And Dorinda, when she first joined, came at 40 bucks and there's basically inelastic demand for her until she gets to 99 bucks. She was making about $731 net to her a day at that price point. She then raised her price to 125 and her bookings cut in half. So even though she was trying to make 17 more dollars per video, doing so caused her bookings to come in half because our business is one where we make a revenue split. We are highly incentivized to make sure that the talent is priced at the right spot because we make more money when they make more money. So this is where we'll bring some analytics in and maybe have a meeting and say, Hey, Dorinda, you know, I know that you raise your price, but like, here's the data, like 99 is the right price for you. Right. That makes sense. One thing I, I will say that's a little bit different though, is because Cameo is dealing with humans, your Cameo price has become like a proxy for fame in some parts of the world. So Howard Stern, for example, will routinely do segments on a show and it's like, guess this person's Cameo price. And I've always said that price is not a measure of fame. It's actually a measure of willingness. But on the outside world, some people do equate higher price with more famous. Because it does have the marketplace characteristics, right? And like anytime there is an opportunity to like purchase something that's a dollar amount, that's where people's minds go to. So I get it. But then I also hear where you're coming from and understanding that that's not necessarily the case. In terms of diversity specifically, we talked a little bit about hip hop, but I've seen that there's been a clear intent in terms of celebrating black stories or having that type of category. What was the push behind that? And is that where you hope it is? Or are there further goals that you have for that? I think just when you look at the creative world, right, the creative class, athletes, actors, celebrities, musicians, right? Like diversity is just going to be part of that. Because again, in many cases, diverse people are the ones shaping the culture. So I don't think in cameo land, it's ever been hard for us to find like black stories to highlight or influential tastemakers from Latino community. Like these are people shaping culture for our customer base. And we want to highlight them. One thing I'm really proud of is after the George Floyd protests, you know, one of our PMs came to me and was like, Hey, I think it'd be really cool if we blacked out the cameo homepage, we'd been working on dark mode. We shipped dark mode. And then at the same time, we decided to pin on the homepage, 
every single category was just black or brown faces going up. And those are really, really powerful thing. And what we did was we donated 100% of our proceeds that week to the NAACP's empowerment fund. And we ended up raising over a quarter of a million bucks. So we love doing things like that. And our talent loves that we do it. And if you talk to talent about it, one thing they love is this is a place for positivity. This is a place for love. And I think it always goes a long way when we show our talent we care. And when they're going through tough times or anxieties, like we're always trying to be there to help, to show that we're supportive and we're being conscious. That's great. I actually didn't know that. That's pretty good. Are there any other areas from a diversity perspective or focus that you plan to, or that you want to have a stronger focus in that you may not right now? Yeah. I mean, I think that's in the team building, right? Like literally people that work for Cameo. We brought Shaka and Sangur, who is like, I don't know if you've ever met him, but he, he's awesome. He was featured very prominently in Ben Horowitz's new book on culture. Yeah. I met him once. Really good guy. Fascinating guy. And I had him, it was the day after like all of the crazy protests and riots and everything and the George Floyd thing. We had him talk to the team. And one thing he said, he's like, dope people create dope culture. You cannot build a dope company without dope people. You cannot build dope culture without dope people. And as he's looking at the screen, like there's too many white faces on there, right? Like we do a great job on our marketplace of, you know, having women and having people of color do very well. And this is a great new income stream. But again, like ultimately when we look around, like we need to continue to hire, you know, talented people from different backgrounds. And because we're working with entertainers and because we're working with athletes, like it's not a stretch to find those people. And frankly, if you're not finding people that are plugged into those communities, like we're not going to win. So it's imperative that we do so. And in terms of the partnerships of the wide range that you've worked with a couple months before the election, I saw that you all partnered with the Biden campaign on some things. What have those decisions and those conversations been like? Because I'm sure as a tech company, there are probably some considerations internally to be like, okay, what do we want to stand for? What do we want to partner with? And if we do this, does this mean that we are taking a stance to not partner with his opposition or something like that? What were those conversations? In the case of that, you know, we're really happy to partner with the Biden campaign. We offered the opportunity to the Trump campaign as well. We believe on Cameo, we need to be a nonpartisan platform. And for us, ultimately, it was not up to just the campaigns to say yes, but we also needed talent to come on and say, I'm raising money for this person. And unsurprisingly, when you look at Hollywood, when you look at the entertaining class, much, much more of those people probably tend to be left-leaning than right-leaning. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't give the opportunity to both sides. We do. It just happened that the Biden campaign said, yes, we knew this was a good idea because a lot of talent, probably most notably Andy Cohen from Bravo, who's someone that our customers have been wanting forever, had come to us a year before and was like, I'd love to come on and fundraise for democratic politics. So it took us about 18 months to get all the compliance done. We got the compliance done. And now every two years, this is something that we're going to lead into and Cameo will be a cool way to fundraise. Yeah, because I see the dilemma, I guess, that a lot of tech companies end up being in because I think on one hand, when that news came, it was very much like, oh, okay, we get it. On the flip side, I do wonder if that, of course, completely hypothetical, but if the news was like, oh, Cameo is now partnered with the Donald Trump 2020 campaign, could there have been a very different response from the media and just from a response given? You're going to have that, but like, this is where as a company, like we have certain core values. And one of those core values for us is rolling out the red carpet. 
And that means that every person that ever comes into contact with our brand, like they should feel like they're walking on the red carpet at the Oscars. Look, no matter how the election turned out, roughly 50% of the country is in either camp. Like that thing was pretty damn close. So I don't think it's a good business decision or the right thing to do to like take half the country and say, like, you're not welcome here. This isn't a safe space for you. So from our perspective, to be ubiquitous, you have to be nonpartisan. You have to give everybody a fair shake. And, you know, it's also interesting because so many people from the Trump campaign or the Trump administration have actually joined Cameo as talent. So prior to the Biden campaign doing the fundraising stuff, we had probably had like this because there were the Amorosas of the world and the Roger Stones of the world and the Mooch and like some of these people, we probably had a reputation of being like a right-leaning platform, which again, you know, in that case, maybe the Biden campaign would have said no, but like, absolutely, there's no bias there and we want to work with everybody. Interesting. Yeah, that makes sense. I hear you on that. And I think it does just put you in a non-neutral place as like best as that can be managed. The other interesting thing too is... Just the model that you have where you all are taking a 25% cut, which understandable given the platform, but definitely not cheap. But it's interesting because I've seen a talent that uses your platform, like for instance, Black China. She's one of the more prominent people on Cameo. However, she's also kind of done her own thing where she's like, hey, if you just PayPal me, I can do the same type of video and we just have to pay the PayPal fee. Have you seen a lot of that happen? And I guess what's your thought on people trying to go, I guess, the DIY Cameo route? We haven't seen that at scale. The thing that's great about Cameo is like the technology is amazing. Number one, we've never defaulted on a single video with over 1.4 million done. So when a talent get a video and they do the video, they get paid. I can't explain to you how important that is in this world. And you know, I know you're looped in with so many artists and people in the creative class. Like one of the things that happens to them constantly is they do work and they don't get paid for it. So like we've built an unbelievable reputation there. Secondly, the network effect of Cameo is a net positive for everybody. So when Snoop Dogg promotes, not everybody can afford his $900 fee, but like people are coming to the site and they're looking at other people. And when you multiply that by 35,000 people in different diverse groups all coming together, being on Cameo, you will get more page views than you got anywhere else. And that's one of the reasons that, you know, even if on the margin, a person like Black China here or China DIY, if they can make more money doing that than Cameo, like we're not doing something right. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the platform and the place we've seen a lot of these services come through. Like as someone that writes a newsletter, there's a difference between using a tool like a Substack, which is very much makes it very easy for you to push send and there's benefits that come with that versus building the stack on your own. And I think I would say that with, from your perspective, what you're doing, the value add from being able to go do a DIY is even more dramatic than what it is for the person that creates the WordPress and, you know, solo stack, which is what I've done with Trapital. But yeah, it's definitely a good point. And one of the things we talk about is our goal at scale is to become the company where town can make more money per minute on Cameo than anywhere else on the internet. And as long as we're there and competitive there, like we're going to continue to grow very quickly. From a growth perspective and a fundraising perspective, 
I believe last year you had raised a $50 million Series B round led by Kleiner Perkins. And from the outside in, it looks like the platform's working well. You have the flywheel in place, but I'm sure you have bigger plans. Like what else is that money going to go towards or are there future fundraising plans? What's the forecast look like? So there's a couple big things. At the highest level, what we're building is the marketplace for people's time for X amount of money being able to do Y activity with Z person. Today, we're largely focused on one Y activity, the personal video shout out. In the future, there will be other Y activities. So what we've done is we've basically used the core product to get on talent's phone. We have taught talent to get a push notification, read the push notification, and do that thing in exchange for money. Now that they trust us to do that, there will be other Y activities that we eventually open up for them and allow them to sell and bring to their fan base. And, you know, again, we think that this is just the very, very beginning of where we'll be going. Secondly, international is something we think a lot about. We've currently sold cameos in 178 countries. And because we are selling bits, not atoms, what I mean by that is we do not have to build localized supply and match it with localized demand. Grubhub or a DoorDash or a Uber, nobody cares about how many restaurants or drivers you have in Miami if you're in San Francisco. But if you're on Cameo, you can be in the Bay and book a Cameo from someone in Miami. So location is removed as a variable. And that's a really exciting thing that can help our marketplace go quicker. And that's why we've sold Cameos in 178 countries without having people in 178 countries. You really benefit from the wide aspect of the internet. It is everywhere. And the celebrity and the niche interest of everyone really is everywhere. Fans are everywhere. When I talked to Snoop, he told me he has more fans in Brazil than any country except for the US. Wow. It's from that beautiful song that he did. Yeah. So once you get Snoop Dogg, then in some ways, like you start winning Brazil. And then the third thing that we're going to be focused on in the coming years is our mission is to create the most personalized and authentic fan experiences on earth. But Today, we've largely built like a gifting platform. We haven't built something great for the super fan. And we want to start building products that you could be using to support the creators of the talent that you like, as opposed to coming to Cameo, finding someone that you think is cool, and then thinking like, who do I need to get a gift for? And like, who's the right person? So what you'll see in the future are things like talent subscriptions. You'll see things like synchronous video chat. We launched a Cameo Live product, which you could Zoom call with Brett Favre or you know, some of the other people, whoever you're interested in. So there's a lot of stuff coming down the pike. And a lot of that has to do with fulfilling the super fan talent need. It sounds like most of those things are with the video format, but anything with audio specifically, I feel like there's some potential there. Look, I think there's a lot of interesting stuff with audio. Obviously something like clubhouse has gotten a lot of hype this year. Voice is such a big part of Cameo. When you hear a Snoop Dogg or Ice-T, their voice is so important. It's not a stretch to think of the future. There might be like voice drop cameos as opposed to videos, but the video is so authentic and cool and it's working. Like we don't want to like bastardize or we don't want to like kind of screw up the core product because it's working so well. So right now we're just trying to figure out how do we keep iterating it. And I think a 10% improvement in the core product is better than creating a whole new business line today. Makes sense. It's exciting stuff. It's definitely exciting stuff. So before we let you go, I'd love to know, is there one or two guests or talent that you haven't secured, but are on your A-list? Like, Hey, let's try to get this person in 2020 or in 2021 if we can. 
you know, the cool thing is that I have personal people that I love, but they're different maybe from who our customers want. One thing that's cool is that we have the search data. So when people come to Cameo and they search for different folks, like we know who they want. And if you ask our customers, they want David Dobrik, they want The Rock, they want Lady Gaga, they want Justin Bieber. So we know who those people are. For me, the thing that's actually interesting, people ask me all the time, if you could get a cameo from anyone, who would it be? For me, it was actually, I was a hockey player. I played through college. Eddie Belfour was the goalie of the Chicago Blackhawks when I was a kid. And like hearing from Eddie Belfour might be more impactful than anything else. So that just kind of goes to show like how long tail this business gets and how in many ways, like picking the right cameo for someone is showing you how well they know them. And you mentioning The Rock and David Dobrik, some of those folks too. I mean, of course, the Uber celebrities versus the people that are specific in an area. And yeah, and I'm sure that whether the partnership or collabs, whether it's with like OnlyFans or TikTok, I feel like all of you all doing very different things, but working with talent in a very specific way that you're offering different value props, but it's clear that there's a similar type of overall unity that kind of brings together with what you're trying to monetize? Well, I think we're all solving a similar problem. And the problem is, as content has exploded, as there's exponentially more content in the world, there's exponentially more fame. But the business model to support this exponential amount of fame in the world is growing linearly. It's growing at a steep curve, but it's not growing as quickly as the amount of fame created. So you're seeing this gap between fame and monetization. And I think all of our businesses are trying to help fix that problem, but it's a big problem and the legacy business models are not going to be able to support it. You go to YouTube, the top 3% of creators make 97% of all the ad revenue on Spotify. The top 1% of musicians make 99% of all the streaming revenue. So you're looking at this world and there's more fame than ever, and there's not exponentially growing amount of money to pay for them. Because there's such a big gap, you're going to see platforms like Cameo and OnlyFans and others continue to rise until you hit an equilibrium and that becomes an efficient market. But as long as there's an exponential amount of new creators coming up every day, there's a long, long way to go for that. I know I said I had the last question, but this will be the real last question. So how do you ensure that Cameo's 2020 surge is not just a pandemic novelty and it stays consistent throughout? It starts with continuing to get great talent on the platform. Then once they're on to keep them really happy, I don't see our product becoming like less delightful in 2021 than it is today. Even when you're thinking of someone like Snoop Dogg, he's probably done a few hundred or maybe a couple thousand cameos, but he has 51 million followers. So if you're looking at the TAM of just Snoop Dogg on cameo, it's every one of his Instagram followers and we've sold like a tiny fraction of that. So for us, like there's a long way to go. And I think this year was about a lot of people giving us a shot that might not otherwise have done it on the talent side. Next year, when music comes back and production comes back, we need to make sure that cameos become part of their stack. That's a good point. Yeah. Like what does the what does cameo look like in the live music stack or in the touring stack or in the hey, let me engage with my fans? Yeah, I think there's a bunch of stuff there that could be really interesting. Absolutely. Well, Steven, this was a pleasure. Before we let you go, is there anything else that you'd like to plug or let the Trapital audience know about? 
Christmas is coming, you know, make a cameo. It's the best Christmas gift ever. You'll surprise your family. You'll surprise your friends. We have a ton of cool things going on. Santa Claus is on there. So like literally no matter who you're shopping for, this is a great way to get people to smile, laugh, and cry. Good plug. And I'll have to go back there and check. Let me see if the housewife that my wife wants is there. I'm sure she is. Thanks, man. Take care. If you enjoyed this podcast, go ahead and share it with a friend. Copy the link, text it to a friend, post it in your group chat, post it in your Slack groups, wherever you and your people talk, spread the word. That's how Trapolo continues to grow and continues to reach the right people. And while you're at it, if you use Apple Podcasts, go ahead, rate the podcast, give it a high rating and leave a review. Tell people why you like the podcast. That helps more people discover the show. Thank you in advance. Talk to you next week.